Cross it in, looking for Garza, backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hi, all. Five straight final. Uh, Jay Sam Jones from Dirty Cell Soccer. Joe Patrick from Dirty Cell Soccer is over there. Say hello, Joe. Five stripes don't stop, baby. They, they do not stop. They do not stop. Uh, K, K Loco, K Esta, Joe Patrick. I got in you. trouble. I got in trouble for that. I don't know. If, I don't know if you caught that. Oh, I, did uh, I get in trouble for that yet? I, no, no. I, I quote tweeted Mike Conti, who I forget is also kind of like my boss. Okay. And he was like, you know, I don't want to say upset. I don't, it's hard to gauge people's <laughs> reactions over uh, over Twitter. But yeah. I, I realized at that point, because he had tweeted K Loco K after he scored the goal last night. So I quote tweeted uh, that and said, gotcha. Gotcha. oh, indeed, or whatever. This and, is uh, a this is a great segue uh, because we the, the theme of tonight's show is looking at written things or things that are translated, especially and trying to put them into context. Uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, um, normally on Five Strike Final, we'd be talking about the uh, Open Cup game, which I guess we will, uh, because there was that game. There was, in fact, a game uh, against whoever the heck we played from... Oh, Red Bulls. On, yeah, that's uh, Red Bulls. On yeah, yeah. Sunday. Uh, we, we were late getting me back because Joe had to go christen a baby or something. Um, and there's just, there's just too much to talk about, but uh, as of like four hours ago, everything was relatively normal in Atlanta United world. But then, uh, this interview with Fox sports, Argentina drops with Petey and there have been inflammatory Joe Patrick. Yeah, I was, I, I was driving in my car earlier today because I knew we were going to record tonight. We had a plan to record tonight. And I was driving my car today, and I was like, okay, this is what we can talk about this, and we can talk about this, and we can talk about this. And the reason I'm saying this, this, and this is because at this point, I've actually forgotten all of those talking points I had originally planned out for us because this is just, you know, uh, it, this is now involving my entire brain, and I can't remember anything else that really happened before, like, 7.30 tonight or 5 o'clock or whenever the, all this stuff started breaking out. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's... uh. It's quite a ride. I was just, you know, there was some guy in my Twitter mentions saying like, uh, oh, yeah, you guys are new to this. This this stuff happens all the time. You know, um, one of those kinds of kinds of guys. And it had me thinking back just to all of the shenanigans and tomfoolery that's happened around Atlanta United um, since the club has been formed. And uh, we've been through a lot, man. We've been through a lot. We've been through, you know, Joseph almost getting into it with a fan who called him lazy. We've been through <laughs> intra-squad romances. We've been uh-huh. through... Joseph almost catching himself on fire. We've uh, been through, you know, Chris Armas blowing it. We've been through Tito <laughs> shaving his head. We've been through a lot. A lot. So many, so many things. Tito's Felicity moment, probably the worst of that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I can do it. You know, there's something yeah, we've said all along this season that this team, this, this year's team is not as good as last year's team, but it is so much more interesting. Yes, for sure. For sure. I mean, there, there's no shortage of things to kind of get into. I do want to say that one day I'm going to write an oral history of Joseph almost being set on fire uh, because it's going to be it, it, it's, it deserves it. Right. It's a moment where I don't think we consider enough the fact that we almost watch a dude die 
<laughs> quite literally <laughs> like um, it was inches from being a complete disaster and like a national you know catastrophe insanity insanity and that's what this kind of whole season has felt like is inches from a complete disaster <laughs> with like Good us segue. trying to, to literally self-immolate uh in a sense mm-hmm. um it, oh gosh it's just it's just crazy i don't even know i don't even know how to handle it um again there's a lot to be said here, I think, about the quotes, which, I mean, you can go yeah. read them on DSS. You can go read them on Twitter. They're all over the place once this broke. And I would say to, uh, read them on Dirty South Soccer. We took our time kind of curating what was important, but also go read um, Gustavo on uh, on Twitter. I forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gustavo Rodriguez. Uh, it's at G-U-D-A-R-O underscore A-R. He, uh, he really did a good job. He translated uh, a bunch of the videos and puts a lot more stuff in context. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. And even then, we don't have the full interview, yeah. right? It, these yeah. are just clips that have been selected. They are sound bites. It's it's hard to translate things in print, especially, and put them into context. It's so difficult to really understand exactly what was meant by certain things. And I think we'll get into the the details of that mm-hmm. later on in this. But just as an overarching thing, just you got to remember that uh, we are dealing with some quotes that are not necessarily out of context not necessarily in context and and being translated as well it's yeah. tough it's real tough and uh, hopefully hopefully said, by the time hopefully by the time a lot of people listen to this actually we will have kind of had some clarification from pity because we'll be talking to him presumably tomorrow he's still on the schedule and i haven't heard otherwise so yeah. uh hopefully by the by the time a lot of you hearing are hearing this we'll have an even better idea of what he's talking about but right now we're going to talk about what we know yeah so uh, that's the thing too that he hasn't helped himself by not talking to the media here mm-hmm. right yeah he's good oh, yeah. he's not controlled his own narrative yeah. it, using the medium that allows him to do so and that creates things like this where you get him go into a foreign media outlet and all hell breaks loose yeah yeah i mean you know it's funny i don't think we've talked to him since um we talked to him at a training session we talked to him once before Concacaf champions league that was at mercedes-benz stadium and then we probably talked to him like a couple weeks later i think it was in april uh about well yeah that was that was the time when uh felipe cardenas at the athletic wrote an article about what he what pity had said about american media and the access that american media has and it's kind of too much too intrusive um that was the last time that we've talked to pity and like you know me and you are in the locker room after games and i don't know about you but i haven't seen him in there in a long time um usually you know we have frank the boar's press conference before we go into the locker room um and locker room access is actually going on while the press conference is going on so i think that if we were to theoretically skip the press conference we you know we could technically like you know possibly even just get a, catch a glimpse of of, of pt like it's like catching a pokemon in the wild or something but um yeah i mean he just kind of like hasn't been around to to talk to to media so uh kind of interesting that he he broke through those uh those walls tonight like this I just can't get over the fact that one of the central points of this and one of the central reasons that no matter what comes out about the context and everything, because some of the quotes, even I'm sure with a ton of added context, are still going to be somewhat inflammatory, especially talking about his thoughts on FDB's tactics and his thoughts on FDB talking in the media about him and not having talked to him personally 
forget about it. I mean, there's there's yeah. no extra context we're going to get from that that makes that seem any better. And there's no extra context that's going to come out that makes them <laughs> doing the thing from like a 90s after school special where they use like Kimmy Gibbler to talk to each other. It's It's like <laughs> to use a Full House reference. Right. I think there's an exact episode where DJ and Stephanie Tanner are fighting with each other and they're doing the can you tell Stephanie that I don't like her face? Yeah. And they're telling that to Kimmy Gibbler while they're in the room with right. each other. Right. And that's been I a trope like, used over and over again. They're doing that. They're doing I that. Like, I liked your analogy earlier that you shared in the Slack of it's like two roommates who it's or it's like three people living together and two of them can't stand each other because they don't do the dishes and so they just complain <laughs> to the other person and that's what this feels like. It's so perfect. That's so perfect. Okay, so I've, always loved the, um, I've always loved the idea that, that we joked about it when PD first got off the plane about him <laughs> yeah. being just super emotional. And basically like a scene kid, just like emo, like he would dye his hair black and straighten it and wear eyeliner and anything if he, mm-hmm. if he could. And if he was a kid at my middle school in 2008, um, it, it, you can just see him like calling his parents by his for their first names and everything like that and yelling at them. And then, yeah. you know, using this as a way to, to get back at them somehow. This is his rebellious act. It's it's fascinating. So, it's fascinating. And another thing that's fascinating to me about this is that. This interview comes out less than 24 hours after he scores his, what, his second goal from open play with the club. He generally has a good game. I just looked at the community ratings. He was basically the, the man of the match. He was like four hundredths of a point lower than Joseph. So, um, But generally, you know, people were speaking highly of him after the game. He came out. He was aggressive. He was getting stuck into challenges. He was like doing all these things that it seems like people have been asking him to do or wanting to see him do for so long. He like he had that goodwill built up after the game. And now, like, I don't want to say that goodwill is like ruined, but I feel like now there's just like all these question marks around him again. And it makes me think, Sam, I wonder if he actually gave that interview today or maybe he did it. Uh, uh, you know, a couple days ago or, or more, you know, I, yeah. I think it would have been it would have had to have been sometime this week after the Red Bulls game. Um but in the interview, at least from what we've heard, like he makes no mention to the goal that he scored last night or anything like that. So, um, so is the grand conspiracy theory here that he gave it the, before the game and then was like, oh, shit, I've got. To, yeah, <laughs> well, he declined. To, yeah, because he well, he declined to speak after the game last night. And I thought right. it, it was just strange that he wouldn't want to talk after he scores a goal and plays very well. You know, you would think any athlete, especially an athlete that's under the scrutiny that he's been so far this season, that's the time when they would want to come out and be, you know, and and have kind of the confidence to talk and they would probably face some easier questions after having a performance like that. And it was just weird that he wouldn't do that. Um, So it just, I don't know, it makes me think that maybe he gave this interview before and he knew it was going to air today or requested it then to be aired today so that he could kind of get out there uh, before he talked to American media. I don't know. It's very confusing. And again, hopefully we get more more, uh, answers to these kinds of things, Um, you know, as more of that interview gets leaked out and and we get to talk to him and and the coach, uh, Frank DeBoer, in person tomorrow. But um, just fascinating, fascinating times. I just don't understand why he would choose to... So his complaint, right, was the FDB is talking smack in the media about him without having addressed him. Yeah. It, right? it, you so know, his response is to go talk 
smack in the media without <laughs> having addressed him yeah. about it. Right. Yeah. He Dude. definitely seemed like Pitty was putting the onus on DeBoer to come to him. You know, it's like, no, you come to me. You know, you, you come talk to me. I'm not going to talk to you. That kind of thing. Um, uh, what was I going to say? I forgot. This is stunning. This is just, I, I, I remember I what I was going to say. I think I that know. I think that what what Pitti has to be upset about, and I uh, kind of can understand why he would be upset, is when Frank DeBoer called him a danger to the team. I thought when I heard that quote that that was like a you know I was like oh he shouldn't have said that because because you know I knew what Frank was saying. He was talking in the context of you know they were trying to hold a lead. And, you know, PT was out there trying to be a playmaker, trying to, you know, he he was making lots of risky passes, trying to, you know, help the team score another goal, obviously. Um, but at that point in the game, nothing was coming off for him. And, you know, Frank opted for some more solidity to try to maintain that lead. And so, but the way he phrased it as a danger to the team, it just sounds, it's such a loud quote. You know, it's like, it's, it, that's yeah. a quote that people are going to talk about and rightfully so, you know, like that's what he said. Um, so, word matter. So, what what do we say situations. about when Frank talks? What what does he mean when he says words? And that's been the central theme of so many conversations we've had <laughs> throughout this season, right? And it, it's it keeps coming back to bite him. And this is the biggest example, right? Like, I think you're right. I don't think he meant it in a sense that like. Overall, PD is a danger to the team because, of right. course, he keeps playing them. You know, he right. keeps starting them. He knows that he's a talented player, all that kind of thing. But in that moment, the idea was that the errant passes that PD sometimes has could be detrimental in that situation. And it comes off not that way. It comes off not that way because we don't know what he means when he says words sometimes. Yeah, so, and then... Um, so that was against uh, that was against Montreal, and then against Red Bulls. I have the quote in front of me. Frank said, um, "This one was also pretty bad." <laughs> he said, this uh, one was "A little more direct, though." He said, "I want not ten or nine or eight men who work very hard. Everybody has to work hard, especially in these kinds of games." And this was like in a question about Pitti, the substitution of Pitti Martinez, and that's what he had to say in response. So, I mean, clearly, he's saying that he didn't feel like he was working hard enough without the ball. So, um, you know, it's interesting. Something also that's kind of come to light recently is that, you know, a lot of what I'd heard and I'm, I'm not going to admit, or I'm not going to uh, like say I was an expert on Pitti Martinez when he came to Atlanta United. And I kind of started watching him, you know, River Plate games when Atlanta United's interest was apparent and stuff like that. But um, in, I, I, I DM'd a little bit with um, a guy that we've interviewed on this show before, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Peter Cota or Peter Coates. Coates. I always want to say his we name. Always like want to like him. Like, yeah. I forget that he's English. <laughs> um, yeah, talk to him, and uh, and then also uh, Gustavo was saying the same thing tonight on Twitter, which is that you know when when Pitti was in Marcelo Gallardo's team last year, Mar- Marcelo Gallardo is a, a, is a manager who wants to press high and and you know press aggressively without without the ball and he and both those guys said that Pitti was a player who did that who, who pressed and and you know worked very hard under Gallardo and that team so it's kind of interesting but I think what he's had to say in that interview tonight that kind of came out later as more of the context got leaked out was just tactically he's frustrated that the team drops deeper than he's accustomed to because I guess in those you know in those teams like he played in at 
at River and then, you know, kind of like how Tata Martino's teams played last year, they play much higher up the pitch and you're trying to win those balls higher up the pitch so that when you actually do win them, you're in a good chance to score already. You don't have to then advance the ball, you know, 40, Which, 50 yards you know to kind of get into a scoring opportunity. He's right. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, totally. Said, I mean, right? he's, yeah, it's a fair, it's a fair assessment. Us. You know? Yeah, I mean, we, we've how often have we, you know, lamented the, how, you know, how the team doesn't really have kind of the pace to, you know, run past anybody or or maybe the team's instructed not to try to overextend themselves and run that far. Um, yeah, Frank has just always been kind of more a guy who wants to have more solidity defensively. And if that means dropping the line back deeper, then that's what he's going to going to do. So, that's you know, it's it, just it a, different like a shot percentage that's historically terrible, right? Like the expected goals on pity shots are historically terrible. The average yeah. expected yeah. goals, even at River, take them from a million yards away, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. You can understand where some of the frustration is, but again, like <laughs> I feel like the media has all of a sudden become the therapist, uh, being like, "Well, you're being very honest with me, but I think you should share those feelings with with your partner." <laughs> yeah. And it's absurd that there's, these are millionaires. These are what literal they, millionaires. What they need to do when, when we're at, at training tomorrow is they need to just do a scrum with both Frank and Pitty, like standing next to each other doing this. Like, could be, uh, you know, if, if we just, if we do it where we talk to Frank and then he leaves and then Pitty comes in and talk and then talks to us, you know, this is going to be like the same thing. We might as well be doing uh, radio interviews. You know, they're just going to be talking about each other without, knowing what each other are saying so until afterwards but i like it i like it i kind of i kid i kid but um yeah and then we do the uh this is how my brain works for reason this is what i thought of the thing where john gosling from john and kate plus eight like everyone analyzed their body language in interviews where they're sitting on the couch together in the documentary right this is a reference that people are going to get joe Okay, uh, but like after I believe Gosling, like cheated on her and everything like that, they're like, oh, mm-hmm. they're sitting too far apart on the couch now, so we oh. need to get them on a couch and understand their body language to see what we can get from this reference is great. This is the best reference I've ever made on here. Yeah, they hey, they say in Survivor, you always know who's on your side by like where people decide to sleep in the tent. Oh, okay, I like it. I like it. Let's put them in the tent then. Uh, this has all become very reality show. That's how you fix this is, relationship. Right? You send them camping together alone. <laughs> this is also they have no choice a, a but to work out their episode. differences. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's a full house episode. Uh, uh, I, I do think I, I do want to touch on the there was the one quote, the quote that broke out earliest, um, I think, was the one that said, I would rather be in river. And I think that this is the quote that we're going to definitely get clarification on tomorrow from Pity if I'm kind of predicting this correctly, but because the quote, when the full context of that one came out, it didn't actually seem that bad. It seemed like he was just kind of expressing a sentiment that he still like loves river and would, you know, it's not that he wants to return there. In fact, I think he actually said explicitly in that, in, in that response or in the, in, in what, in that quote that he does not plan on going back there and doesn't want to go back there, but kind of wishes he was still there. Like it felt to me like he like, is like reminiscing about, you know, having like kind of being nostalgic about the times when he was there and, you know, you go, Oh yeah, I wish I was still there. You know, I wish I was still in college. I wish I was still, you know, wherever that's kind of how that came out to me after the whole context context of it came out. It didn't, it didn't read to me like he wants to go back. Yeah. I, I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. Uh, but you know, it's similar to 
when Frank gets these sound bites out there that, that come off poorly, you know, it's going to come off negatively uh, from a PR standpoint again, which I, I feel like we're repeating conversations, but just switching the names now, which just shows you how crazy this season has been that we continually talk about people making just dumb mistakes with, with the, the mouthpiece that they have in the media, right? You can yeah. use the media to your advantage, right? You can use totally. it to, to make it positive. It, oh, yeah. It's something that has honestly worked well for Joseph. Oh, yeah, right? for sure. Like, for sure. when Joseph went after that fan, I think everyone was ready to, to go and defend him from a media standpoint because everyone kind of understood his thought process and understood why he does what he does and, and that he was a very passionate person. But if you're going to be vague about it, if you're going to say things that are hard to decipher mm-hmm. then you're going to have trouble. And it just kind of goes back to, I don't know, maybe they just need to sit down and, and give them interview classes or something. Right? Yeah. I, I tend to think that there's like a disconnect with a lot of these players that come from South America where the, where the media relationship isn't kind of like it is here um Mm -hmm. you know it's a little it's more combative it's more um uh antagonistic i guess like it's just kind of it's not it's not the same i don't think those players ever feel like they can use the media to their benefit i feel like they feel like it's only it can only serve them negatively as to where yeah like you said we've seen it serve positively and and joseph is one example i mean like hell it's a different story because he speaks English and everything and he's not, you know, he's not coming from South America, but like, look what Julian Gressel has done in the media. I mean, like, yeah, he's like made himself a business out of basically, you know, using the media to his advantage. So, um, and good for him, you know, uh, anyone who can do that is, you know, it's good, good for them. It's, I don't know. Absolutely. So I guess the question is, does any of this go away? Right? Do they talk think, it out? Do they hug it out? Does this set this up to end poorly? Right? Does this mean that that he's probably gone no matter what? Like, I, I don't. This isn't a positive step, but maybe, maybe it turns into like a uh, pressure makes pearls kind of thing or or something like that. I don't mm-hmm. know. There's there's a couple of different outcomes here, but right now it just seems it seems so negative. I, I don't know how anyone comes back from it. Oh, I think it's I think it's come back come backable. Yeah. I, I think uh, I, I think you can come back from this. Um, it's not to me. It's not that big a deal actually. Um, okay. After kind of like seeing all the quotes, I mean, I think that you know the biggest issue right now is just the fact that like what we talked about earlier about how they're kind of not talking to each other, but you know, it, it just, that's weird to me because when I'm at training, you know, I've, I've told this, I've said this a couple times. I, I tweeted it out last night as well, but um, you know, on Tuesday, I saw Frank DeBoer having a long conversation with Franco Escobar and he, and Frank had his arm around uh, Franco's shoulder and they were, you know, talking for, you know, quite a while. And it kind of ended with, you know, both of them laughing and Frank kind of like slapping him on the back as as Franco, you know, kind of trotted over to go join uh, the the group with doing their warm ups. And I've seen him do that as well. Very similar situation with uh, with Tito Villalba it's at earlier point this season. So, like, he talks to the players, but maybe there's like a weird thing going on with Pity. Um, maybe I don't I don't know what the deal is between them two specifically, but I wouldn't extend this to, you know. 
I, I wouldn't want people to think that like this is the way that everyone kind of interacts with Frank. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. And again, there's this idea that you signed a, a star player without knowing who the manager was going to mm-hmm. be of this team. And it's becoming somewhat apparent that almost definitely tactically, but maybe also chemistry wise, it, it just hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. It, it was a, it was a risky thing to do, but it's not paying off right now. It's just not, is it? Yeah. I mean, I think that this team is kind of, I mean, it's pretty safe to say that this team has regressed right over the last oh, easy. couple yeah. weeks, you know, like ever since the break. Hardy. True, true. But, um, you know, you, you the lightest part of the recent schedule is Chicago, where the team just got their doors oh, blown, off, yeah, got the doors right. blown off. Well, um, forgot how happened. Thanks for bringing back that. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Um, Toronto was nothing inspiring. You know, this team's just not kind of not been good. And I don't know if it's a, just, just kind of a malaise from having that break. Um, I don't know if it was, you know, missing Joseph Martinez. That could be it. You know, he's been a he's obviously a huge piece of the team. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this team has a lot to prove right now, uh, as it heads into this very difficult part of the schedule, just, you know, they need to kind of reestablish themselves. I know something Felipe was asking about in training, um, was, you know, to, to several people was just about, you know, kind of, it seemed like in May, this team had established itself an identity as being this team that's very difficult to play against, tough to score against. And then, you know, since the team has started back up again here in late June, they, it's there's been a sieve, really. I mean, they've been allowing tons of goals, and it hasn't really looked that difficult for anybody. So, um, you're kind of it's it's almost like it's all for naught at this point. But uh, again, I, I think on the other side of the coin, lots of players have been out. We still haven't have we like when's the last time we saw Joseph, Barco, Pitti, and Tito like all healthy and playing in the team? Has that ever happened? I don't know. Maybe, I maybe not. I don't know if that's ever happened. Yeah. So, I mean, I think this team, there's still a lot of potential for growth for this team, but I think that, you know, like I said, they have a lot to prove. They do. They do. And it's not going to help. Like you said, that the defense is struggling a lot right now. Uh, last four MLS games are as follows. Three goals to Toronto in a loss where PT missed a penalty at the very end. To, to not get a point out of that one after Atlanta conceded in stoppage time. Then you get a win against Montreal, just one goal there, but then the five-goal loss to Chicago, and then three goals against Red Bulls, a late goal there for Red Bulls as well uh, off a that, couple, couple of that, mistakes. It's that win against weird. Montreal was gross, though. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, without Miram, you know, going off a little bit, it wouldn't have been anything, right? Right. Um, like, but, yeah. I mean, it's something we talked about earlier this season where, you know, for me, watching soccer in general is more about wins and losses. You know, like, I'll honestly, I'll take, you know, a loss if, if I'm just entertained by the game. You know, like, even like the Rebels yeah. game, that was a much more entertaining game. And, you know, it wasn't as good of a result, but I enjoyed watching it more than that, than that Montreal Impact game. So, and obviously, we all want to see the team win and make the playoffs and do all those things. But, um, right. You know, you also want it to be fun. That's yeah. why you're there. That's true. That's true. And Sunday was fun. But my thought is that these things can either be flukes or, or those flukes can pile up and become a theme. 
right? Mm-hmm. And you have the late goal against Toronto. You have a bunch of dumb mistakes against Chicago. And then now the late goal against Red Bulls where you mess up. And I, I said this in our, our five-stripe hikes back thing where we're doing our post-game show walking back to our cars now. Um, but you worry about the quotation marks mentality uh, aspect of it. And we are kind of getting away from the pity stuff into actual. Yeah, we were transitioning. Um, yeah. But uh, segues are hard. Uh, but you worry about the quote unquote men- mentality of it and like just the psychological aspects of, of having a bunch of dumb losses this year or dumb mm-hmm. lost points. Like you think back to the RSL game where that dude fired off from like. 80 yards and scored uh, in the last few minutes. There's like three mm-hmm. goals in the last little bit here that Wayne and I have given up that have been huge. Uh, it's let me ask you a mess. And does that also kind of come back to, to FDB? Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, that, that is pr- the most startling difference. The most, the biggest difference between this year and last year. If you look at the, the road record, I mean, last year, Atlanta United was amazing on the road. And I don't, I, I, I suspect the reason is being is because teams on the road wanted to come out a little more against, against Atlanta United and Tata Martinez teams were just able to crush those teams. Mm-hmm. Um, teams that did that. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, the, the road records are, are quite different. We haven't even, we have not gotten a draw on the road this year, believe it or not, actually we've had wow. like, I think three wins and then the rest losses. Yeah. But let me ask you um, because I wasn't there obviously on Sunday. I just want to ask you okay. kind of, what the mood was um, after I, I imagine the, the everybody was kind of down, you know, because you thought you had three points in the bag. Um, even though, you know, in a vacuum, I think you probably kind of, you know, obviously, you know, if you ask a player or a coach, they're always going to say they want the three points or whatever. But, um, you know, I think you kind of like, you know, you're, you're kind of holding water. You're not, you're not, you know, it's not a terrible result to have a draw against the Red Bulls. That's um, exactly right. But what was right. the mood? So frankly, right. If you, if you don't go ahead in that game at any point and you just get the draw, you're probably pretty happy. Right. Yeah, exactly. You're probably pretty yeah. happy. The mood afterward, though, you know, after the, the late goal was not positive. I, I heard Joseph in. was pissed. Joseph was pissed. Jeff and others who were normally there to talk were just straight gone. Didn't even, mm. you know, normally we see them out on the field after the game hanging out watching their kids run around and play mm-hmm. no sign, no sign of the little Lorenzoes and others out there. Um, it was dour, man. It was pretty empty. It was just so empty. That, that's what I keep remembering. It's just how empty it was. when we got into the locker room, of course, Parky, you know, being the captain stepped up and talk, uh, Gazan talked a couple others were there to say a few things as well. But other than that, not a whole lot. Yeah, what troopers? They're always they're, positive. They're always there to talk. Yeah, bless talk them through it. Bless them. But the general, I mean, walking out, the fans were, you know, down. Everything was just kind of down. It was really, it was really frustrating to to have that little lapse at the very, very end, like that, when you could have finally gotten over the hump against Red Bulls in the regular season. Yeah. Well. You know, in, in more positive news, the team did win its its most recent game um, last night, Wednesday against uh, St. Louis FC. You know, big big competition that was there. A game that did in fact happen. Yes, I agree. <laughs> it was kind of hey, like you actually, didn't really know what to ask the players after that. 
you know, it's like, does this win give you a lift? Yes, of course. You know, like, <laughs> did <laughs> you enjoy winning the soccer game? Um, yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. But I wanted to ask you, what do you think of uh, what do you think of our new boy, Emerson Heinemann? So can I level with you here? Sure. I tweeted some things during that game, like I was watching it for the most part. <laughs> but in reality, it was definitely on. I had it on. And I did write a recap for it, and I did tweet some things. But was I really, was I really invested or paying that much attention? No, no. That count. Not. Hey, that counts as long as you do the post. Exactly that's right. All I that matters. I did my job, but no, he had that good moment where, of course, he gets the assist on the PD goal. Right. Uh, just applying some pressure. He seems to be. He seems to have that kind of knack that Miguel had. In a sense, and I, I'm wondering if this is just kind of an anomaly. You're kind of hyped up your first game, but I think you picked up the ball a couple of times, just kind of those loose ball recoveries that Miguel was so good at. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting to me they decide to play him in that kind of 10 attacking role. Right. Uh, Frank called him what? An offensive midfielder? An offensive midfielder, yeah. It's and a, it was interesting to me. He's an offensive midfielder, and he said, we don't really have one of those. He said, and he was like, maybe Julian. Um. So I think what he's talking about is kind of like a – like a central midfielder um, who can really, you know, when he's talking about a midfielder, a player who really, you know, can, you know, win balls, recover balls in, in the center of the park, uh, but they can also get forward and try to get in the box and make things happen. I think that's what kind of what we saw, you know, he was a little bit more conservative. I thought with his positioning than I expected him to be, I, I thought he would actually make, be making more runs like beyond the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was actually dropping a little bit. He was like dropping into pockets, trying to keep, help the team, maintain possession which is fine you know like yeah. it's his first game there's lots you know he'll pick up lots of different nuances and positioning you know things he needs to do with his positioning runs he needs to make and stuff like that and not to say that he was doing anything wrong in the game with his positioning but um i mean i thought he was good i think that his skill set is actually going to fit this team quite well so i think I, I i agree with frank just in that he just kind of provides you kind of just like a, a style a profile of player that you just don't really quite have i mean like you kind of have it in someone like nagby but nagby's just nagby just doesn't kind of make those incisive you know have those incisive moments whether it's you know a, a pass kind of like through the lines like a through ball or right. um or yeah yeah and he, obviously we know how kind of reluctant he is to shoot he's never scored for atlanta united so well he actually did score once but he got called back on uh, var but um yeah, so I think I think Heinemann will be will be a good addition to the squad. I, I'm generally impressed with what I saw, even beside uh, even you know taking the assist away or whatever, because it was kind of fluky just in the way that he kind of won the ball, and then Pitti was literally right next to him. Um, I thought it was good. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna. You know, have a spot in the squad for sure, and it'll be interesting to kind of see who he takes minutes from. It's yeah. been really interesting since uh, since Atlanta United signed him, and we've been talking about him with Frank a little bit more. And just to kind of see, because it helps when you're talking about a piece of the midfield, you know, when Frank talks about it, you kind of get a sense of the context of the entire midfield. And definitely the way you see it is that Frank does not consider Darlington Nagby an attacking player. He definitely sees him as like a holding midfielder. Um, he, like he talks about Nagby and Rometty together. And it, like, like they're not the same player, but they do the same. Mm, they kind of are. Mm, how do I say this? 
I don't know. They're just like he considers them holding midfielders. And I think like a lot of us have always thought of Darlington Nagby as a attacking midfielder kind of, you know, or or someone who has attacking sensibilities at least. And um I don't think Frank sees him that way, which is interesting. So I think, you know, I I do wonder if we'll ever see games against like a team that we, that we know will bunker if he ever plays like a like a, a central midfield pairing of Nagby and Heinemann, you know, with like Gressel in front of them or, or like a you know, a midfield three of Nagby, Heinemann and Gressel or something like that. So That's I don't know, it'll be blast. interesting. I think Heinemann provides a lot of uh variability for the for the midfield. Yeah, no, and it, and it speaks again to something we've talked about a little bit lately is the, the genuinely excellent roster building that Atlanta United continues to do. Picking up players that are either under the radar or we just weren't expecting to, to really step up. Um, on In that same vein, Miram has been excellent. Oh, yeah. Like, really, just surprisingly very good and effective. And it may be a little bit of just, like, a relativity kind of thing because relative to everyone else, he seems like he actually wants to score at <laughs> yeah. time, which mm-hmm. is absurd. But it, it's it's so refreshing at times. And, again, he was good again in an Open Cup game. He was a solid um just been solid. Just yeah. Been solid. And it, the Heinemann thing is just another example of that. It looks like he's going to be really good and just another depth piece. Uh, top to bottom, this continues to be an extremely solid and talented roster. It's just you don't I mean, have the, the, the 11 that's really clicked yet. Yeah. You know? It's crazy to think about this team with all the pieces. Like, think, like, think about this team with no injuries. It's crazy. It's like it's it's so talented, and you have so many options of what you could do. We yeah, talk about yeah. having like we've talked about all these guys. Miram is not sniffing the field like when Barco and Tito are healthy. I would think um, maybe as like a late game sub, but you know if you have Barco, Tito, um, Pitti, Joseph, Gressel, Heinemann, Nagby, Remedi, like that's so many players in the midfield. You know that's just like. Oh, I don't know. It's it's refreshing. I just hope that we get them at some point this season all healthy. Because if we do, you know, I think this team can do a lot of damage. And I don't know. It'll just be, you know, we've talked about kind of how this team needs to reestablish itself and kind of reprove itself. And I think that this, I just still get the feeling that this team can be pretty good in the attack. It's just going, you know, we just need the talent. You know, we need the talent on the field, to be perfectly honest. That's just so frustrating. There's obviously another gear here. Yeah. There's like several gears they can go up and continue to make things happen. It's just, it's just getting so slow to get off the starting block and make it happen that it's, it's frustrating. Right. And then you get yeah. dumb things like this happening today that, that slow it down even more. And it's just gonna, it's just gonna continue to feel like wasted potential uh, at this point. But the injuries thing is interesting because it's something I talked about a lot last year in Rolo about last year was Atlanta and this was a, the way I put it, getting injured at the right time, mm-hmm. right? Everyone got hurt, and the timetable was so that they came back right at the very end of the season. So there was no real chance for them to kind of get hurt again, but they were going to yep. be up to speed and ready to go. And they were kind of like refreshed. They had, it was almost like they had like a little break in their legs to kind of give. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then, of course, you, we know what happened from there. Um, I, I, I hope a similar thing happens here, and it, it very well could. But still, it's it's going to be a slog to get through the rest of it this yeah. year. Um, we should also finally just talk. I mean, unless you had something else, we should talk about the U.S. Open Cup uh, the next round. It, it should be. You know, I'm so excited for this game against Orlando because it's like the first 
game that really feels like there are stakes, you know, like real, it's like a legitimate high profile game against Orlando city. Yeah, no, for real, for real. It makes me so much more invested and interested in it because Joe Patrick, I know that if Atlanta loses this game, Orlando fans will do the same thing that we do Mm -hmm. with Red Bulls. They will say, well, (laughs) at least we beat you when it actually matters. And then we're going to beat them over the head. Well, if it was open cup, we don't actually really care. And then it's just going to be the same dumb fight we have over and over again, but it is ammo for them that I don't want them to have. I don't want them to have it, but it's going to make it a whole lot more fun. I'm so glad it's them. Honestly. Yeah, no, I am too. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And I think that uh, like, even it, it being in Orlando kind of, you know, as much as obviously for the team, you just kind of want it to be at home and stuff. Um, I, I think, you know, playing in Orlando in front of those crazy ass people that love nothing more than just giving the bird. That's like the, a, a, a pastime in Orlando, um, mm-hmm. giving a good old middle finger. Uh, yeah, I think that'll, that'll create for an interesting atmosphere. And, um, and then we host the final if we win. And uh, that should be fun too. We could get Portland again. MLS Cup rematch uh, in the in Mercedes Benz. That would be a big time game. That would probably be like one of the ju- most juiced uh, U.S. Open Cup finals I can I can remember. Not that I paid uh, I have paid a ton of attention to the U.S. Open Cup in my lifetime, but um, <laughs> right. <laughs> I legit can't tell you who won last. Like year. who was it? It was Houston won it last year. I don't yeah. remember who they played. Philly. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. Probably. I do remember two years ago it was it was pretty pretty raucous at, um, at the Cauldron over in SKC, but that's that's the only one I really kind of pay attention to ever. Um, it'll be a lot of fun if that comes there, and it, it is it is in fact Portland and everything like that, and they still aren't allowed to bring their stupid drums and their dumb <laughs> log and everything like that. And we can make fun of them again. It'll be it'll I, be a blast. Speaking of U.S. Open Cup, also I will say just loved being at kind of fifth third bank stadium last night, even with all of its flaws, you know, it's the press box was hot and muggy. Um, the, and so was the, the interview room afterwards and the field is, you know, slippery. It's not the greatest pitch. Um, you know, even though it looks beautiful, it's just, you know, uh, Frank said it's, it's very hard. And, uh, I get the sense there's not like a ton of dirt underneath. It's like, you know, it, it, it's called like a hybrid surface or whatever, but anyway, um, it was just, you know, it's a good night. You smell the hot dogs. You, uh-huh. You're close to the field. You kind of, you can hear the shouts. Um, I do fun. like that you have to uh, walk through like the concourse to get to the, the press box right there. Yeah. You know, it's kind of cool. You get to see people you know, yep. hang out. You get tempted people. by a beer, by people serving, trying to serve you beer. Exactly. Exactly. It's fun. And last night was especially great because I got to hear the supporter section curse out Doug Roberson and it wasn't that that's not what was funny the funniest part was the moment I saw Doug's face and he realized what was happening that was the best part that would be um, rather rather enjoyable but I have thoughts on that oh the people are awful like people are in his mentions on Twitter you know like just like bashing him to his face terrible terrible i just busted out laughing because i just thought it was so ridiculous and uh doug took it like a good sport it was it was we all we were all just laughing about it it was i think we all found it quite humorous but um yeah treat people better on twitter you asshats god 
It's his job. job. Like, <laughs> I always think, like, what would people like? What if, like, someone was just like in your face <laughs> at your place of work, like cursing yeah. you out, telling you you're terrible? Right. Especially even if, for, like, even if yeah. that's how you really feel about them, you know, like, even if that is like just be an adult, you know? Just anyway. be a human. God dang it. Like, we have lives, we have thoughts and opinions and feelings on things, and it, it's not cool to just be shit on all the time like damn y'all like none of us are making insane money you're not paying for any content mostly like we there's no real <laughs> liability here <laughs> just, we just like sports and want to talk about sports don't go and be like man I, I hate you because you I don't know tweeted about a chant we did or something like that's not community you guys are going to do that shit under the guise of, of community Right. And if you're going to use it to be negative and use it to, to do stupid things like that, then your entire idea of community is completely misconstrued and it's problematic. And, and it's sad. A lot of these supporters groups in general are problematic and probably should be treated similarly at times to, to things like fraternities and other things like that, which is a whole larger discussion. I'm kind of getting upset right now. But you know what? No one's listening anyway. That was good. I enjoyed Doug's face when he realized what was happening. It was pretty funny. Um, all, right. all right. Bye, Good all. talking, Sam. See ya.